The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Broadcaster Suzanne Kane and campaigner Alva Smith are with us to talk about the uh, stories making the news today. And there will be a lot of people who, as soon as I begin this, will say, why are you given that airtime? The reason we're given it airtime is because across the entire globe, it will be one of the most focused on things of the weekend, which is the publication of Prince Harry's book, Spare, which I think in Ireland is particularly appropriate, given the uh, revelations that are within. And the reaction that it will have from the monarchy and from everybody else. Alva, I know that you already have a bitter taste in your mouth having to even discuss this at all, but bear with us. Prince Harry has achieved the remarkable in that in one fell swoop, he has suddenly made the Taliban relatable. (laughs) Well, the extraordinary thing about this whole spare business is that, you know, everybody, the entire world, as you say, Anton, is talking about a book that nobody has actually read except a few journalists here and there and the people in Spain. Apparently the whole of Spain rushed this bookshop where it was on sale uh, early. But, you know, spare, it is driving people like me absolutely spare. However, uh, it is not without interest. Uh, My first reaction, of course, when this broke was, there are so many important things going on in the world, which is true. How on earth can we be expected to focus on this? But I mean, there are a couple of interesting things. The revelation, I'm not sure if revelation is the word, his blurting out (laughs) of the number of Taliban military that he he killed seemed to me to be really very interesting, not least for the reaction that it's evoked. But of course, actually, when he did blurt that out, it occurred to me that what he was doing was actually telling the truth. He was saying, this is what you do when you're in an army. Um, You're sent and you are paid to kill people. And you do know how many have been killed because there's a little counter There's a little counter there on your gun or on your helicopter or on your whatever that tells you how many. But I think the thing that people are focusing on within that, because he did, you're right, he said that he had killed 25 uh, members of the Taliban, is the manner in which he seems to be portraying it. He said that they were pieces on a chessboard. He doesn't seem, for a man who who seems to give an awful lot of thought to the implications of everybody no. else's actions, he seems to bear no guilt nor remorse. Well, I understand that what he said is, look, in order to do that, you absolutely have to think of people as chess pieces, pieces on a chessboard, I think was the way he put it. But, 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 Anton, just a moment. I am not defending that. I am as near a pacifist as it's possible to be. I do think people have a right to defend themselves. But at the same time, he was saying that in order to go out into the killing fields, what you have to do and how you are trained before you go into the killing fields is precisely not to see human beings as human beings, because if you did, you couldn't do it. The revelations go from the sublime to the ridiculous because at one end of the uh, spectrum we have the revelations that he killed 25 people with uh, when he was serving in Afghanistan. On the other end of things we discovered that at his brother's wedding he was suffering from a mildly frostbitten penis. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was causative. I think it was it was coincidental. Yeah, no, he had been away. He other. had been away on some type of expedition and, you know, he'd, he'd struggle with that. I think that there's you so... Would. Yeah. Yes. Well, and listen... You know, I won't say it, but anyway, but there's just there's so many there's so many levels to a week ago that we didn't realise that we would know about Prince Harry. You know, this week, 
Also, it really strikes me as a, as a man who, it's very American. He's a man who's watched too many Brene Brown Instagram posts about vulnerability, right? Because it's a, it's a real key word at the moment. Like, you can almost feel like Megan's at home going, what you need to be here is very vulnerable. You need to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. So he's sharing that, you know, his penis was frostbitten, that he lost his virginity, uh-huh. right? That he lost his virginity in a field and got a spank on the bum at the end of it. Do you know, like we, you know, levels of which too they, much info. It is, but it, you know, it kind of almost reeks of somebody from Big Brother who got a book deal. But you know that level. There's a level of it that you go. Did I need to know that Prince Harry was at the back of a field and had his bum spanked, and that's where he lost his virginity? Or did I need to know? that his penis was frostbitten at his brother's wedding. It's kind of almost like somebody from... The, the irony is it's like someone from The Sun said to him, here's how you write a book. Well, now, here's Do you the know thing. what I mean? Like, here's the thing that I want that I want to get a view on. One of the things that he has given out about for an extended period of time has been that the British tabloid media has washed the dirty laundry of the monarchy and has invaded his family's privacy for prurient financial gain. Hmm. He is now washing dirty laundry and invading his family's privacy for prurient financial gain. He isn't fighting the British tabloids. He's becoming the British tabloid. Yes, well, you know, with all due respect, Anton, you're not the first person to point this out, <laughs> that he is he is gaining millions and millions and millions and millions from his deal with Netflix, from his book deal and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I, why are we surprised um, the, the the British royal family is actually driven by, motivated by, mobilised by, kept afloat by money, 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 which is actually British taxpayers' money, I suppose. Um, and I, I do think that, of course, well, money is... Well, I think they, they now theoretically maintain themselves to be self-financing, what with owning oh, most oh, of Scotland. Well, where do they bike? get all of that money? <laughs> I mean, are we going to start talking about colonisation now? You know, it, that money comes from somewhere and it comes from the sweat of other people's brows, Basically. No, you see, Alva, again, your <laughs> cynicism is getting in the way of you actually understanding the true <laughs> issue. Harry has to be cynical here. <laughs> Harry has, has to do all it. of the time making clear, as he does here, that the only objective that he has through all of this is maintaining his own privacy. Some people will say, you have railed against invasions of your privacy all your life. But they, the accusation will be, here are you invading the privacy of your most nearest and dearest without permission. That'll be the accusation. That'll be the accusation from the people that don't understand or don't want to believe that my family have been briefing the press. See, people like you, Alva, who don't understand the struggles that Harry has. The fact that they call each other Willie and Harold, right, is it's a lot to deal with again on top of everything else. He's like, and Willie pushed him, right? He was minding his business and Willie attacked him, which is his brother, William. Broke his necklace. Him, broke Broke him into the dog box. Now, Paul, I, for the people of Paul Meskell of this world who brought necklaces and made them a fashion item, I stand with them because they know what it's like to have your necklace broken by your older brother. Is it not like is it not a rite of passage? But Willie pushed him into the dog bowl and that got broken. And then, then he goes on and goes, but look, I'd like us to all get along. Also, there's apparently a bit of it where his dad jokes that he may not be his son. Yes, like you know, it's it's just there's just. But that's the other thing within it. It isn't just that there is. It is revelatory about his own private life. Oh, he goes into all out. of the personal conversations Doesn't with his father. Camilla. Absolutely no holds barred. I mean, I, I always think of you have a little piece of string between your tongue and the words that issue forth. And somebody, Megan, I don't know who the world, the trauma that he is suffering, 
has, has cut that string and it's not there anymore. So it's all tumbling out, tumbling out. And it does actually occur to me that, you know, he is somebody who, in a very real sense, feels as if he is genuinely, he has been traumatised, that there is a trauma in there. You were speaking about vulnerability and I feel, in fact, there is something really quite profound and quite profoundly sad if one can feel that kind of empathy. Um, you just feel, you know, this is a young man who is not stupid, but uh, he's he's just running away with himself. He's it, It's all pouring out. But I think, if, did he, you watch the Netflix series? No. So if you, but if you watch, do you know what? People, people looked at it different ways and I actually, exactly as you say about vulnerability, I actually watched the Netflix series and towards the end of it, I went, this is so sad. This is a young man who desperately wanted to fit in somewhere, who lost his mother mm. and was out marching a street yeah. behind her coffin and publicly lived his life. And, and it was so desperately sad. And it's kind of almost just fallen into that now that he's like, I can only attribute it to a small toddler screaming at you in the kitchen for something. He's screaming at the world. Well, and he, you know, he, saying, he didn't Look get at me. the hug that no, a small didn't. toddler needs. No. His father didn't. Apparently, the book says that his father his father said, son, I have news for you and basically announced the, the, the death of Diana and didn't hug the children at all. So mm. all of those things are true. There is still something very off about the way in which he is prepared to, to wash all of that very dirty linen. Well, it's interesting seeing the texts that are coming in. Um, the royal family have turned into the Kardashians. I feel like <laughs> yes. Harry's interviews are turning into a real light ep- episode yeah. of The Crown. The, let me ask you one thing in this. You talk about it it seeming to be a huge outpouring of all of this emotion and invective that it was within. Where does it end? Because oh. he's done that they have done Spotify, Netflix, Oprah Winfrey, ITV, Good Morning America, an autobiography. What next? Where does this finish? Well, once you spill the beans, they're gone. So they have to, I suppose, find another way of being in the world. And uh, I think that's probably going to be a big challenge for that couple. Frankly, I think there are other challenges in the world I would be preparing to focus on rather than that particular one. A fine point, Alva. <laughs> well, let us do exactly that. Because if we, if we come to matters close at home, obviously health is a big issue. And we're going to be talking to Tony Bryan after uh, 10 o'clock in relation to the overcrowding within the uh, health system. But as has been for the last year, years at this point, homelessness and availability of housing and the refugee crisis continues to be a major issue. And we see, Alva, this weekend that Croke Park is going to be putting up refugees in their corporate boxes. Oh, well, you know, this is really quite extraordinary. 150 Basically, women and children will be moved into to Crow Park. Um, and, you know, we, we think of those suites and and uh, boxes as being very luxurious. But in fact, of Not course, there'll be mats and mattresses on, on the ground and they'll be using, I mean, they certainly won't be out there on the pitch and using it as a playground. It really is. It is absolutely shameful. It totally is. Now, I know that we've taken in 73, over 73,000 uh, refugees from Ukraine and could it could I just say now that I'd like to send my Christmas greetings because, of course, it's Orthodox uh, Christmas today to all of the Ukrainians who have come to be in our midst at present and may they be able to find their home soon. 
and and indeed home, you know, that must be that news for those 150 people. It's probably a relief to be able to go somewhere. But my goodness, what a bleak place to be sent to. We have to be able to do better than this. We just simply have to. And I know that Minister O'Gorman has been under a huge amount of pressure. But truly, this, this you know, the the situation with, with in with regard to refugees has really reached a crisis point there were people um international provision people back uh, international protection people back in tents last week this is absolutely unforgivable so when you look right across the board we are in an absolute crisis as regards refugee accommodation. We have an absolute crisis as regards homelessness, 27% increase in homelessness since last year. That is an absolute out-and-out disgrace. It is a disgrace. And of course the two are intertwined. This did not drop out of the sky. This mm. has been there for the past 20 years and more. And the current And has been declared by current sitting cabinet members as a crisis as much as seven years ago yet the crisis continues. And we continues. hear there's to be some kind of summit next week. Well on late. that topic is 2023 Suzanne the year do you think that we start <laughs> to get arms wrapped around the housing and homelessness crisis? No. Absolutely not. It, it just seems like, <clears throat> exactly as you say, we're going around <clears throat> constantly in this and it, it's not new news. You know, the Peter McVeary Trust uh, talked about this 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Things have got worse. You know, it is incredible that we opened our arms to Ukrainian refugees. And again, you know, as you say, as they celebrate, you know, this you know, over the past couple of days, um, that they're displaced, that they're being sent to Crow Park and they're being sent to tents. This is women and children. Like I think of my own kids. I think about oh. me leaving my husband, leaving perhaps my father behind um, and coming to a country where I don't speak the language and I'm on a mat, you know, in a field or I'm on a mat in a in a you know sports stadium and I know that with the best will in the world we are trying to do what we can but this is going on months you know we made this commitment to take refugees into this country did nobody sit down these are people we are paying to be in this job to sit down and go okay well what is the plan here I'll tell you what we'd do do you know what we'd we'd get a couple they're not relatives coming for a night at Christmas these are people who are displaced from their country and we're going, this is the best we can do as a mat. And it's the same for our own homeless crisis. We underspent uh, our budget. How do you not count your numbers? <laughs> How do you? It's just, I'm, like it's a, you know, it's a, you go to do maths but, in school, it's a basic, you know, this is what you're given. If Mary has, you know, 20 million to spend and Mary decides that she's only going to spend 1 million, how many does, you know, does Mary have left well, over? And pl- we're still plan, the same. Plan is really the key word no here. Up thinking. That planning is something, whether you're looking at the health service, whether you're looking at homelessness, whether whatever you're looking at, at at the present moment, you're seeing there is an absence of long-term planning there seems to be a complete lack of capacity within our socio-political psyche in this country to plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead. And, uh, you know, I, I think that our successive governments have a great deal to answer for. And the point is that we as a people have to start saying we want to see on the table what are the plans for social housing in this country, Well, as I say, among the, other things. The same issues that you're raising there fit very neatly with the issues within health. Again, 10 to 20 years of a problem. Exactly. Again, a, a repeated government saying they are going to resolve it and, and so far no action. We will be talking about that in more detail later on. We will finish on a slightly lighter note, Suzanne, which is the uh, revelation, I think the Irish Daily Mail is reporting on this, uh, that the Taylor Swift's cat mm. 
is only the third richest pet in the world. I'm I, I shocked. I am disgusted. Stunned. <laughs> Alva has talked of little else since I'm she came sh- into the building. I'm disgusted for that cat, and I don't even really like cats. But for that cat alone, I, I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm because it's a dog. Right, two other dogs just going around with their tails high in the air with their hundred millions. All this, right. is, this is genuinely no, a German. I, I, it's a German Shepherd, yes. isn't it? That it, it is? Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was even more than that. He he he, he is he's living in off. a mansion which was owned he's by or dog. was going to be bought by or something like that by Madonna, if you don't mind. And he lives in state in this mansion. He inherited. Uh, something like a, was it a hundred million yeah. from a German countess? Sorry, four hundred and seventy-five million. Four hundred and seventy-five, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Gunther. from a German uh, countess. But he is actually now the property of the Gunther Corporation, and I looked them up, and they are a massive multi multinational. Somebody uh, left four hundred and seventy-five million to a dog. To a dog, you know, really, there is no end to the absolute weirdness of human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky dog, though. In fairness, though, I I had a conversation with my mum yesterday, and I because we you know talking about that bigger the bigger picture of wheels and whatnot, and I was like, it doesn't matter. You could leave your house to a cat and dog, so it would make it. She kind of just looked at me because would you be all right with that? I'm looking at Gunther. I'll be honest with you, I'd be watching his food if he was around me. I have feel like Gunther, eat up there. Just give me your paw. Give me a Suzanne. Suzanne, I have to thank you very much for for leading me to one of the world's easiest segues, which is later on in the program we are going to be talking about things like wills and divorces and all the rest. Listening. So if you are considering leaving all of your money to your German Shepherd and want to know whether or not you can do it and what you need to put in the will or if you're considering leaving your spouse after uh, sitting beside them through Christmas and coming to the realisation that this ain't cutting the mustard anymore uh, Sonia McEntee who is Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors is going to be with us and she will answer all your questions you can get them into 53106 Big thank you to Alva Smith and to Suzanne Kane and particularly to uh, Alva for being willing to talk about Prince Harry which I know Again. she dreaded so much <laughs> The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.